Hello. Hello, I'm Georgia. And I'm John. And today we're going to talk about the mac and cheese and movies. Mmm. Comfort Films Podcast. Season 2. And we're back. Hello everyone. Welcome to Season 2 of Comfort Films. January is going to be a science fiction month. And this is episode 61. Today we will be discussing the 1999 film Galaxy Quest, which is one of my favorite Star Trek films. Maybe the best one. <laughs> it's very, very good. It is. It's very, very good. And we are very fortunate to have on board for this episode one of the people that has made my work life bearable at two different jobs, Catherine Hyatt. Thanks for joining us, Catherine. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks for uh, suggesting Galaxy Quest. This is one of my very favorite movies, um, and it makes sense that it's one of yours, too, because we have a very similar sense of humor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is it about uh, Galaxy Quest that really makes it one of your favorite comfort films? I mean, honestly, what doesn't make it one of my favorite films? There's, <laughs> I recently re-rewatched it, and there honestly isn't anything bad about it, in my opinion. Um I, I do think that the physical humor of it kind of like makes it just so enjoyable. Like every time I've watched it, I've caught something else new and different and just hilarious. So that's probably the main reason. But then just everybody in it is fantastic to watch and listen to. And so honestly, everything. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny because we were watching some of these documentaries like on YouTube about the making of the film. And one of the things that really struck me is that when they went to cast it, they weren't looking to cast like funny people. They were just looking to cast like good actors and good actors tend to be funny in a funny movie. So um, that really bore out, you know, you have like Sigourney Weaver, you have the unbelievable Alan Rickman in this and, you know, they just do such a good job in everything and yeah. they're perfect for this. Well, I mean, the level of disgust that Alan Rickman brings, you know, as Alexander Dane, or should I say Sir Alexander Dane, is just, you know, that's what you want to see. I mean, you really can feel what he's going through. And it's very interesting because one of the things that they cut from the film was it was going to be that Alexander Dane was knighted. And so that's why he was Sir Alexander Dane. But Alan Rickman said, you know, you should take this out. This doesn't really fit in. And Alan Rickman said somewhat he actually could really feel this because, you know, where he really hit it big was, you know, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Die Hard. And so everyone wanted him as that type of character. So he felt like he got stereotyped. <laughs> and yeah, right. And so like when he comes over and, you know, he's playing Dr. Lazarus who is supposed to be this wonderful actor that ended up on this show. And this is the only thing they care about. It really, it really hit home for him. And he said that like the scene where he was with Sigourney Weaver and they were like signing the autographs, he said that really made him feel like, you know, I know this life. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I've experienced that a few times. It was a little too close to reality. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I thought that was great. Well, and I read something about him before he uh, took the role, where basically he was like, sci-fi isn't for me, I don't understand it, I don't like it. And then he got this script and he said, it's just too funny, I can't not do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and when you look at the types of movies he was doing in the 90s, it was all like deadly serious stuff, <laughs> like 
I don't know, Sense and Sensibility comes to mind. That's a performance of his I love as yeah. Colonel Brandon. That was in like 95-ish or something. And then he's like playing this character with this, you know, makeup headpiece on that he literally never removes for the entire movie. <laughs> You know, and it just keeps getting more bedraggled every scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the end, his hair is like all sticking out of it, but like he's still got it on. He's got it on when he's just talking on the phone to Sigourney Weaver, like as himself, not as Lazarus. I love it. And it, it, you know, it's such a great mashup of Star Trek characters and actors there because it's, it's a little bit Patrick Stewart from Next Generation being like the Shakespearean actor in a sci fi show. It's a little bit Spock, you know, with this alien character on an, a mostly humanoid ship. I love it. I mean, that's probably something we should start out discussing a bit, which is the Star Trek connection. Like I kind of tongue in cheek said, this is my favorite Star Trek movie, but that's also kind of true because this is my favorite Star Trek movie. Um, I love the newer Star Trek movies as well. I love Star Trek, the original series. I'm kind of a big Star Trek nerd, as we all are well aware, <laughs> um, more than either of you guys. Um, but I actually saw this movie before I became a Star Trek fan. So Same. this kind of, yeah, this kind of ushered me into thinking about Star Trek a little bit differently than I think I had thought about it before. Yeah, I'd always had it as like, Star Trek is for nerds and my family was kind of nerdy but not like that much and so I didn't have any exposure um and then we saw this one and obviously I loved it and then I started watching the newer ones with Chris Pine and then I've only seen a few of the older ones and then I've gotten into some of the tv shows recently but it just it, it's like such a loving reflection of the Star Trek universe like to your point Georgia of it's your favorite Star Trek movie there was a con in 2013 I think and like the Star Trek lovers who were there and who attended this convention voted it as the seventh best star trek movie yes i read that that's incredible yeah. that's incredible i love that i mean yeah. and we had actually read also that jj abrams when he was making you know the star trek um kelvin reboot 2009 told eric banna to kind of you know act like saris mm -hmm. from this movie and he based uh, Abrams based a lot of the design of Nero's ship and the coloring and everything around Ceres, and I thought that was awesome. I mean, <laughs> couldn't be couldn't be better to me. No, it, it couldn't be. And it was funny we were watching this because I kept seeing the parallels. We had just watched, and we we weren't even thinking about this at the time. We just watched the 2009 reboot. We watched Star Trek Into Darkness. And we're in the middle of Star Trek Beyond. So, like, we've been going through this Kelvin timeline. And there were things about this where I was like, wait. <laughs> I'm like, this really feels like the J.J. Abrams movie. And then come to find out, <laughs> yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, incredible. It's, it's fun because it is kind of like the best kind of fan service in a way. Because... Mm -hmm you know they're they're putting in all this clever stuff that calls back to star trek and then the fans themselves like at the con become part of you know the heroism yeah. that saves everybody for the saves the thermians from saras and i just think that's so great like i love it i mean i have the goofiest smile on my face when i watch this movie every time 
because it's just so fun and it just makes me so happy to be a fan of Star Trek and to get all of these like inside jokes and things that are going on. And it's also a great story in itself. Like even if you stripped all the Star Trek stuff away and you don't know Star Trek that well, you can love this movie like I did when I first saw it. Yeah, the the knowledge of Star Trek just adds to it, you know, after the yeah. fact. You can just add to the repeatability and you can just keep watching it and learning all like, oh, that's from that movie. Oh, that's from that <laughs> show. Oh my gosh, they incorporated that character, that race. It's fantastic. Yeah. When Tommy pulls out the <laughs> ship, just... yeah, <laughs> and he just scrapes it. Because, you know, when you watch Star Trek The Motion Picture, like the reveal of the ship, I mean, everyone had seen the television show, which was excellent, but it didn't have you know, the, this technical prowess. They didn't have the money. They didn't have, you know, the computers to make this. And so it's this amazing thing. And they, they mirror that in this. And then he just like scrapes the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That scene always bothers me though, because I feel like physics wise, it doesn't look right. Like, I don't feel like you could scrape the nose of that without <laughs> like ripping off the side part of that plane or the, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I try to like ignore it, but every time I watch it, I'm like, ah. <laughs> well, I just love that as they come in and you can see it kind of approaching the wall, there's like a wall of windows with people behind it, and people take like two steps back and they're like, oh, this will all be safe. It'll be fine. It's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, it's not like a massive uh, uh, ship, you know, yeah. or anything. No biggie. <laughs> I like how everybody in, in the, on the bridge or whatever is like starts leaning. Yeah. Like, Maybe it's just me. If I go to the right, it'll work better. <laughs> it's like bowling, right? You think you can just control it. Well, it's like, you know, when you're a control freak like myself and you're riding in the car with somebody else who's driving and maybe isn't the best driver and you start like hitting the brakes with your foot on the on the passenger side. Mm. Like you're like, oh, I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, the, the first time I saw this, this is a super bizarre story. So. Okay, so really fast, Star Trek and I. So here's the story, the story with Star Trek and I. And growing up, I didn't really watch it that much. I, I was a big Star Wars kid all the way, and, and it wasn't like I hated Star Trek, but I just didn't, I didn't feel connected to it, and it was such a basic reason. My big reason was I thought the phasers looked dumb. I was like, what kind of gun is that? You know, like, I was just like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm like, they talk and they got weird guns. I'm like, this is stupid. And so I, I wasn't really into it. And then in high school, you know, I, I hung out with, with a bunch of people that I was really close friends with. And, you know, we were all geeks and they got me into Star Trek and we started, you know, watching the movies and playing the video games, you know, and it's like I saw first contact in the theater. You know, I saw I saw Star Trek, the undiscovered country, you know, and that was cool. And then, you know, time moved on and my new friend group when I went into college, really didn't have that Star Trek connection. Even later in high school, when some of my friends graduated, because my friends were older, you know, I didn't have anyone that had that Star Trek thing. So I moved away from it again. So I'm in college, and my friend Russ Sherman, this is actually after I've graduated, um, you know, I was still hanging around because, you know, that's what you do. And he comes up to me, and it was like, I thought it was something, like, really bad. He's like, uh, hey, man, um, I really want to go to the movies today, but I, I don't really want to tell anyone, you know, what I'm seeing. I, I didn't know, you know, I mean, would you do me a favor and, and come with me to see Galaxy Quest? And and I was like, 
yeah, sure. He's like, yeah, look, man, I'll, I'll pay for the ticket. You know, if you just, if you just come with me and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, definitely. This would be fun. You're not going to say like a porn. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he, like, it was like, is this a snuff film? Like I was legitimately <laughs> concerned at first as to what we were going to do, but it was just like, no, we wanted to see galaxy quest. So I went, we saw galaxy quest. He loved it. I loved it. And, and, you know, I was all in it brought back just this rush of memories that I had with, with my, my friend group from high school. So that's that's how it went. And then years later, you and I saw a screening of Galaxy Quest oh, yeah. at the Vista. We did. We went to we went to a I don't know if it's an anniversary screen or if they were just doing, you know, older movies or whatever, cult type following movies. But we read about it and we're like oh we should go see it because we both love this movie a ton yeah and we did not and well i didn't see it on the big screen i'm pretty sure i probably just saw it um that was my last year of college when this came out so i was pretty busy um so i think i probably ended up seeing it on hbo or whatever later in the summer um so i was like yeah let's go and we went and missy pile was there um oh, who wow. yeah i was like what uh because we kind of love her from a lot of things um and this was maybe her first movie or one of her first movies yeah i think her first big one yeah she plays the thermian character laliari um who's the one that ends up in this relationship with tony shalhoub uh as uh kwan and she was there and actually was in the bathroom at the same time I was. So I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> like, yeah. It was like one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me. Like I'm standing in line waiting for a toilet stall and Missy Pyle comes out of one. And I just went into the one she left. So I went to the bathroom right after Missy Pyle. Now, how cool <laughs> is that? not that cool but it was cool to get to see the the movie and she talked after it and it was really really fun so yeah that was a, a cool experience it was really funny though because we were saying like you know occasionally when you live in LA you see a famous person or an actor or somebody and this one we've actually seen two people um because we also saw Enrico Colatoni who plays Mathazar in five guys in studio city <laughs> yeah yeah we went to you know get a burger and he was in there and he was like looking really nervous that people were going to try to talk to him or something not us no we didn't bug him because we didn't bug him but no um i love him in this oh he's fantastic i think he's probably the my favorite character um i you know it's very hard because you know alan rickman as alexander dane is so great um but if i put him aside it's definitely uh mathazar enrico colatoni for me because he's so perfect like just he does this funny voice and like the way that he walks and he just wants so badly to do well for his people and I just really love the character. And, and I really like Enrico Colatoni in general. He was the dad on Veronica Mars, which is one of my favorite shows. Um, and he was great in that. So I just really think he's a good actor. And we read a cool piece of trivia on him in this as well, which is that he kind of came into the audition and did the whole thing that he does in this movie with the kind of musical, weird, flat voice. 
and the movement and the casting director actually used his audition tape um, to show other people what they wanted them to do um, because he kind of defined the role so well for what these Thermians would be like. And I thought that was awesome. I love that. I got one more thing. I just remember this. You talk about in the bathroom. Okay, check this out. So we went to go see Whoa, this. Whoa, I know what you're going to say. Right? You know exactly what I'm going to say. Okay, sorry. All right, yeah, that's cool. So, like, <laughs> in the bathroom. Here we go. So we go to see a screening of Mr. Holmes, okay? This is, like, a long time ago. And we're waiting in line. It's like a Q&A with Ian McKellen. George's favorite. Very exciting. We're in line. We see Walter Koenig. I'm like, oh my God, it's Chekhov. You know, I didn't bother him. I didn't go up to him. Yeah, yeah we were. I, so that's when we were standing in line outside the theater. Yeah. We saw Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, the original series, walking by to go get in line. He's just like a regular person like us. Yeah. Hoping he'll get in to see the screening. Nuts. Yeah, we were at Harmony Gold, I think. Yeah. I think, I think that's so where we were. Too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it. And he was just like walking by. I mean, I'm the type of guy, like, just to put it in perspective for you, that I'm kind of like the person that, that would come up to Dr. Lazarus, you know, when he, you know, for the autograph. And I would like, quote, by Grabthar's hammer. You know what I mean? I'm and that he, guy. I would be would too excited. And... He would hate me, you know, <laughs> intensely. But yeah, I'm that guy. And it's just, I get so excited because it's just like, you know, your favorite storybook came to life. You're like, oh, my God. And, you know, that's not who they are. They're playing a part. But, you know, I'm like a kid. Well, anyway. it's, it's funny because between us, you would think I would be the one to get starstruck. But it's John. Always. You know, even Always. though John's the actor and John's the one who is on sets and doing this cool stuff. Yeah. And I am like a, you know, sad office worker. <laughs> when we saw Walter Koenig walking up the street. John is like, oh my God, oh my God. And he's like pulling my arm and everything. And I'm like, oh, it's Chekhov. Huh, that's funny. I like then move on with my life because, you know, <laughs> for me, it's just like, oh yeah, it's just another person. But John gets really excited, which I love about John. Um, You know, he's like the golden retriever of people. I love John. <laughs> so, but yeah, move on to the, where the bathroom becomes pertinent. Of course, we got to get to the bathroom. <laughs> so, I'm in line in the men's room, okay? And then, like, right behind me is Walter Koenig. And I'm like, oh, my, in my head, I'm like, be cool, dude. Be cool, right? <laughs> I'm like, just be cool. You know what I mean? And, like, I don't know. I guess, like, I just kind of looked at him, and I, I, I was smiling. You know, I was just looking at him, like, and I'm, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, John? <laughs> like, you know, and, and he was just, like, so nice and so cool. He was just like, hi. And I was just like, I, you know, when I got out of there, you know what I mean? It was crazy. Like, you know, I, I finished up obviously what I was doing, but yeah, he said, hi. I was like, this guy's so nice. I'm surprised you know what I mean? he didn't say like nuclear wessels. Oh, um, I wanted to do that. I, you know, I just, I didn't have it. I mean, this you, is funny. We you, talked about it. Like back when we did big Lebowski, I had the same thing. I, I, I was like, I was doing extra work and I saw Jeff Bridges and I was just kind of like, you know, far out. I was just like looking at him and Jeff Ridge is super nice. Hi. And I was just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like that's me. That's me. Oh, it's yeah. good. It's funny. I can't believe we have the bathroom thing with oh, yeah. two Star Trek related people. It's so stupid. Who have you seen in the bathroom? <laughs> Not in the bathroom, but on the way to the bathroom, Brandon Ruth was doing a screening in Palm Street. 
springs and was very tall and standing in the way of the doorway and i had to nudge him on the arm and as to get by so that i could go to the bathroom. <laughs> there you go so it's cool. very polite cool. very nice oh yes so sorry let me get out <laughs> so superman and also wasn't he like the vegan boyfriend and oh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. yeah, vegan yeah. police came and got him. I remember that. And then also yeah. a villain on Chuck, or a co-worker of Chuck's oh. on Chuck. Yeah. And we also have in this, which I didn't even realize, so in this film, one of the Thermians is played by Sam Lloyd, who is the nephew of Christopher Lloyd. Oh. And so Christopher Lloyd played a Klingon in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. So it's like, oh, all connected. All that's, connected. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. I was like, wow. Well, and I feel like Saris's design, although he does have like the weird lobster head thing going, um, he's got like the eye patch, like oh Chang, Chang, yeah, yeah, uh, Christopher Plummer, yeah, and Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Yes, yes, we also have that. Okay, and here's another one wrapping it back around. So Stan Winston, right? He, you know, his people worked on this. And you know how, how like Saris has like that, I don't know, which like, like it looks like these, these little legs coming out of his head. Yeah. Okay. So that is like an homage to John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, because, hmm. you know, uh, you know, the person turns into like that weirdo spider. Oh, yeah. And he goes out. So this is like the, the transformation, you know, this is as much as that's happened. But it's just like it, it's going to happen. So that's where that came from. So it, it like all, that's all wrapped really cool. around. Yeah, it, very, very crazy, all these things. And my last thing on special effects is the Thermian look, which I love. I love these things. Like they the look octopus so- part yeah. when they're like the <laughs> tentacle people? Okay. I love the colors too. Yeah. So this was in the trivia. So it was like they showed it to steven spielberg and he was like yeah i I don't know i don't know about all this (laughs) and um you know and so the people were talking and they they had like two weeks then to completely come up with something new because it was like you know everything on you know i'm gonna call it an octopus i know it's not but on the space octopi you know what i mean it was like i think it had like 48 tentacles or something there was a lot and, and they all were articulated and, you know, the people were like, look, we only got two weeks. I don't think, you know, we can do anything better. So Stan Winston's like, OK, OK, I get it. Then he called Steven Spielberg. Then Steven Spielberg became all right with the choice. So I was like, oh, wow. So I, I thought that was really interesting because I loved the look of the Thermians from the beginning. Yeah, I like it, too. I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Oh, I wonder what it, I what it was like, you know, what what was the, the turnoff? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it particularly lends itself to being funny yeah. when, like, Quan and Laliari are like making out for the first oh, time, yeah. and like her tentacles like come up and everything. And my other favorite character, Guy, is there, mm. and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> like this horrified." Oh my god. Yeah, Sam Rockwell, boy howdy, is he good in this. Okay, I do. This is before he was like super big, you know. I think he had been probably in the Green Mile before this, so I knew him already. Wow, he was good in that. But in so this, good. I just think he's so funny because he's like the red shirt. He knows he's the red shirt. Yeah. You know, he's so excited to be a part of it. And he even says, like, I'm just really excited to be on the show. <laughs> 
and then he starts realizing this is real life and i'm the red shirt and he's like just terrified for the entire movie realizing about, all the like, ramifications of what that means and just <laughs> oh i could die at any time from anything and he's just scared like all the time and i love it <laughs> because you know this whole thing is kind of a little bit of a fish out of water kind of a story because you know everybody thinks they know what they're doing they're just gonna go do an appearance but then it ends up being like real <laughs> and you know they're they're they have to adapt and of course they're able to um but i just love it i think it's so clever and fun overall it's great well did you read the thing that said that like there was some fan fiction i think maybe in the 70s yeah I you saw read that. this okay yeah. so it was like the real guys yeah, they had a somebody had written a fanfic in the late sixties, whatever, early seventies, and it was about if Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner, and DeForest Kelly were like zapped into like a real situation and had to like deal with it as if they were their characters. And so really pretty much exactly the same kind of idea um and i don't know i really want to read it and see yeah that sounds very interesting because i think it would be funny well they weave in so much i mean even the names right so you know we have alexander dane right he's a very serious actor right and they said that it was dane because it was like a reference to hamlet okay and that's then funny. we have peter quincy taggart which is kind of like peter quince Oh, from Midsummer Night's Dream. You got it. So That's it's funny. They 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 had so much like his name, right? The the Jason Nesmith. Okay, so that's because when uh, Star Trek was on, the monkeys were on around that same time. So it's kind of like Michael Nesmith. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. Like every single thing in this, the the rock monster. That's something that William Shatner wanted when he directed Star Trek Five. Yeah. That was the one he what was what was Star Trek five? I don't remember. Final Frontier. Thank you. Star Trek five, the final frontier. He wanted like a rock monster, maybe rock monsters, but he didn't have the money in the budget. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was jealous that Tim Allen got to fight with the rock monster. <laughs> um I love Tim Allen's performance because it's so Shatnerian. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's clearly, you know, a student of Shatner. Uh he's is doing all these Shatner moves and just sits in the chair like Shatner's Kirk, you know, because I really like William Shatner as Captain Kirk. I think he's fantastic. Yes, he's a bit of a blowhard. He's kind of like over the top, but it works for me. Like, I don't know. That's just who the character is. Um, I love Chris Pine's version, too. Yes. You know, he's a different per person because he had a different background. Um, and I really, but, I, you know, he's still got like that kind of throwing caution to the wind kind of persona, which is what makes Kirk Kirk. And I loved how Tim Allen is able to like layer this, like, you know, you have Jason Nesmith, who is kind of like has all of those qualities himself, but he, you know, in that one scene in the public restroom there at the con he overhears these people talking about how he's ridiculous and he's a joke and none of his friends even like him and you know he thinks all this stuff is real and whatever and it really you know gets to him and hurts him you know and then 
he does have the opportunity to like prove himself and it's so exciting for him to be able to do that and and you get to see him change and grow i like that yeah i think one of my other favorite parts about this movie is there's not one single character who doesn't have character growth yeah everybody gets better and it's not just like you know one person's getting crapped on by everybody else it's like everybody helps each other grow and like normally i'd be not about that i'd be like oh my god this is too wholesome but in this (laughs) in this setting it works Well, yeah, I mean, well, that, another thing that said it was like connected to Shatner is the scene where, you know, Jason Nesmith is in the bathroom and he overhears the people saying that all the other castmates do not like him, that they think he's just a has been and they're just really making fun of him. They're saying that, that that's like a real thing that that happened uh-huh. like to Shatner. And so it's like, you know, all of it. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I know it's not. The, the same cast, it's not um, their story necessarily, but in a way it, it feels like it is. I mean, there's something like with all the people that we've seen play Captain Kirk, they have this certain spark to them. And I, I, I can't completely put my finger on it. It's Rebel throwing caution to the wind, like you said. Um, but it, it, it's just like there's something with these people that is entirely different and just maybe it's because you know they're they're so headstrong but they're always able to make a change now it's not always good sometimes they blow it but it's never static you know what i mean we're we're going up or down always it's like this confidence like they have like this very assertive confidence in their own abilities and you know sometimes that pays off and sometimes it totally doesn't like yeah. The very first time that Jason Nesmith gets, you know, zapped up into the Thermian ship when he really doesn't know what's going on and kind of thinks it's just, you know, an appearance, he is just like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, throw <laughs> this over you know, out of his she, mind. Yeah. He just has them, like, you know, during negotiations, he just fires on Saris with all they've got, you know. And. <laughs> It's just like, you know, he feels like he's really like taking care of it. <laughs> and then he realizes it was real, but he still feels great about it. He's like, oh, I did this and it was really great. And I saved them and I, you know, took out the bad guy, you know. So he really, he still has like this unearned kind of confidence in his ability. And I mean, I kind of relate to that. I kind of tend to be like that in a way myself. I'm like super assertive and decisive and I always think that I'm right. And then if I'm not, like, boy, I really have an issue with that. Like, (laughs) Well, to be fair, since I've known you, you mostly are right. So it's a well-earned train of thought. Right? You are right. In this case, it's earned confidence, I guess. But like, (laughs) I just, you know, I... I do tend to be like this when I am wrong. It's like, Oh God, uh, you know, I accept it, but I'm just like, I really should have thought before I made that decision. Then the next time I totally do the same thing I already did. It's just, (laughs) it's just the way it is. Well, I love how confident he is going into the ship, you know, and he's like, yeah, I saved everybody in fire all. And he goes back to tell his friends and he's just like, guys, guys, it's the best thing ever. I just saved everybody. I saved this whole alien race and it's real. And then they get beamed up, which is a whole scene that's hilarious in and of itself. 
but he's still like on this, I saved him. I'm going to negotiate Saris's surrender to us and doesn't like, still doesn't have a clue what's going on until they show him that video of like the previous guy who had his job, like getting right. tortured. And then he's like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like, suddenly it's like, Oh wow. This is real. Like, yeah. I, he's the last one to get it, even though he's the first one who has the opportunity to get it. Um, and I do love that because everybody else, <laughs> they don't know what's going on. They're like, oh, yeah, it's real. Mm-hmm, sure. And then they, you know, get the little jelly thing that kind of surrounds <laughs> them and shoots them into space. And yeah, Sigourney Weaver... Sam Rockwell and uh, Daryl Mitchell are just like, you know, in shock. They're like shivering in shock and terror. And then, you know, of course, the Thermians show up in their like octopus form and scare the that. shit out of them. And my, I love that saying because they're like poking them with instruments. <laughs> like one of them has what looks like a speculum. <laughs> and just puts it on Sigourney Weaver's face. <laughs> and then they're like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. And then they turn into, you know, their more human form. And that's when Guy just screams, <laughs> like, bloody murder. After they've already had, like, they've been talking and everything's kind of calm. And then he's just like, ah! <laughs> Which I guess wasn't planned. And it scared the shit out of Sigourney Weaver. Oh, yeah, you can see her it. jump. <laughs> She wasn't expecting it. And then, of course, Fred Kwan comes in late because he was messing around with the snack machine. As always, he had to have a snack. And <laughs> he's just like, oh, that was a hell of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good line in his delivery is a 10 out of 10. That's perfect. Like, so good. He's totally adapting like instantly to this. I think that's what I love about it. Like Every person has a totally different like personality in this. And they all fit together really well. But his whole thing is like, he just seems like high as shit the oh, whole yeah. time. He's just got the munchies and he's just like along for the ride. It's just like, hey, whatever. And then, of course, he ends up, you know, in a relationship with an alien, <laughs> which is he's totally fine with. It's cool. I love that she ends up on the show at the end. Yeah, I do yeah. too. It's great. Yeah. So, what's your favorite scene in this, Catherine? Ooh, uh, I have so many. I love the one that Georgia just described where they all like show up for the first time and Tim Allen's already there. Like, come on, guys, what's what's your problem? Hurry up. Um, but then one of the ones that I always quote and like no matter how foobar anything gets, I can always just be like, it turned inside out and exploded because my probably second or first favorite scene, depending on the day, is when, you know, Tim Allen's fighting the rock monster and right before they're trying to work the... Uh, beam i guess i i'm not up with my star trek i don't know what it's called quite <laughs> but they try and beam the the pig thing onto the ship and it arrives inside out and while they're talking trying to be like what how do we get tim helen's character up here? like what come on come on come on it explodes and just it's so funny it's so well done everybody ducks and you know pig guts are flying but then there's that one thermian who just stands there like must observe <laughs> <laughs> One guy just has like goo on his face yeah. and it just stays there for like ever. Yeah. Oh, Everybody man. else has like bits and patches kind of fallen off because they managed to avoid it and he's just covered. <laughs> That's really great. Yeah. What do they call it? The pig? It's like a pig lizard. Pig something. lizard. Yeah. 
I love that. It's creative. Well, yeah. it looked like people had like ham on their face. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I was, I was like, whoa, does Scorny Weaver have ham on her head? Oh, like, they probably do. Like a slice of ham. Yeah, that was. Uh, that's really solid. Well, I love that whole scene with the fighting too. Like they have the little weird aliens and <laughs> that are like cannibals. Or yeah. And then they have, the child then, miners. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Jason Nesmith loses his shirt as Kirk always would, like have this ripped shirt, like hanging off, and like be fighting things, and it's it's super funny. And everybody comments on that too. They're like, "Oh, I see you managed to lose your shirt." Well, it ties in with what you said earlier, okay? That Alexander Dane never takes the apparatus off of his head because it's like his like headpiece will get all ripped up, but he never takes it off. But like with Kirk, the shirt will just come off, or it'll just yeah. be a, a collar, like you know. And it's just like I I don't know. I there's nothing that I read to support this, but I wonder if one of the reasons that, that they did it that way, that he never took it off of his head was to just be like the opposite of Kirk who would always get ripped up and just, you know, just, yeah, just have it hanging off like <laughs> shredded shirt. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's oh crazy stuff. Well, I think it's also because the Thermians believe, you know, that Dane is really this alien. They didn't understand that, you know, they think it's the historical documents. Oh, man. I use that phrase all the time in real life. I deception. just say something's the historical documents. Yeah. <laughs> deception. Yeah, Lies. they didn't realize it was deception. Oh. oh, it's so sad. I love them so much. The Thermians are so pure. I know. It's heartbreaking. Like, I don't want anything bad to happen to them. And it's just like, yeah, that Missy Pile, the deception lies thing. Like, you're like, no, no. And then, like, when Saris makes you know jason tell uh mathazar that yeah they're they're fake oh my god he's so oh hard but so broken it just breaks him and it's so sad yeah they get you with feelings well and then they also like when they're trying to understand that they they thought it was real they're like talk about gilligan's island oh <laughs> my god that's always like a huge laugh they're like those poor people <laughs> <laughs> i read a piece of trivia i don't know if it's accurate or not but it's pretty damn interesting which said that when you know gilligan's island was on there were some people that thought it was real and were trying to organize a rescue now that <laughs> just seems that. No, right you heard that okay so yeah. it's just like Jesus, really? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know I if don't I would have seen that. How, I, it's so, that show I, was so cheesy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I was watching it in, like, the 80s after, you know, many years of people knowing it's not real. But, like, well, they have a theme song? Like, I don't Yeah, you know. I know, right? Well, didn't they have that for, what was the radio show originally, War of the Worlds? Where people yeah. were calling in, like, oh, my God, the world is ending! And it's like, <laughs> guys, guys, it's a radio show. We're good. <laughs> oh. I Deception lies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Well, yeah. What's your favorite scene, John? I mean, my favorite scene, it's super sad, but it's really good. Yeah, you know where I'm going. It's mine too, yes. Right? It, the, the part that gets me, when uh, Dr. Lazarus is holding Quellick, you know, in his arms, you know, right when he's dying, and he delivers the By Grabthar's hammer line so sincerely that 
it every time it's just like oh my god i'm I like i start up. i do yeah. i start crying i don't talk for a while i never shut up watch me watch that scene <laughs> i don't talk for a few minutes and like you know and, and then we have quellick it's just that look on his face that satisfaction that that you know it's like your childhood hero came and saved the day and yeah. i mean that's you know i love watching movies because, you know, it's like mythology to me. It's like you have these larger than life characters and you really want to believe sometimes that these people are real. And, you know, when people can give that to you for a split second, especially, you know, when you're dying, it, it's the most beautiful, beautiful thing for me in that movie is that they're able to still get us with this very tender emotion when it's so funny, I mean, and we had that by Grabthar's hammer line <laughs> when they opened like the, the tech place, whatever. That's my other, that's what I love about that. Cause it's, it's the absolute polar opposite use of yes. that line. Yes. Yes. You know, we have, we know how much he hates this line. He said it before, you know, the kind of goofy geek guys say it to him when he's signing autographs he hates it mm -hmm. the first time he meets quellick quellick goes to say it and quellick has like you know really devoted his whole life to this dr lazarus character's story like he uses his philosophy he's you know it's kind of like a mr spock kind of a thing like he's devoted himself to like this ideology of dr lazarus and everything he does is based on that and he meets his hero. He goes to say the line. And Alexander Dane is like, no, do not say that to me, you know? And then he, you know, ends up saying this at the end of Quellick's life. And it's awesome. But yeah, at the tech place when he says, <laughs> by Grabthar's hammer, what a savings. <laughs> it's Courtney Weaver's next to him nudging him like, just say it so we can go home. Yeah. <laughs> And it hurts him so much to say yeah. it. That's what I yeah. like. It's this long, long pause, you know, before he says the what to say. Oh, my God. And his lips kind of quivering. I mean, well, I think great. that's because Alan Rickman was probably trying not to laugh. That, yeah, they said that, that he like had a hard time not laughing. That's such a stupid laugh. <laughs> Backcraft, Thor's hammer. What a savings. It's brilliant. And you just have like all these heavyweights in here and they're just working together yeah. as a team, you know, and it talked about how Sigourney Weaver, when she put on the blonde wig, she just felt like she became Gwen. You know, <laughs> they said that her personality completely changed. People talked about one night after they wrapped, she kept the wig on and she said she went out and had like a great time. <laughs> She said it gave her the ability to be this different person, you know, because everyone thinks of her as Ripley, who's very serious down to business. And with Gwen, she was able just to explore like this fun, flirtatious side of herself that usually she doesn't get to experience. And the being blonde was like her idea. She like yeah. wanted to have this like you know blonde feathered kind of hair <laughs> and it was like part of building the character for her to have that and just you know yeah as soon as she put on the wig she felt like she was in that and she didn't get out of it whenever she had the hair on <laughs> the magic yeah. of costuming and props <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i think she's wonderful in this she's you know, yeah, she's the most heavyweight when it comes to sci-fi 
you know, background having played Ripley. Um, and they didn't even want somebody who had sci-fi background. But they, you know, it's like, well, if you can get Sigourney Weaver, why wouldn't you? <laughs> like, right. she's such a good actor. Um, but she really makes it fun. Like, she is also in great shape. And she's, like, doing all these stupid karate moves. And I love that they totally bring out that, you know, even though we're supposed to think that Star Trek was, like, really progressive and it's, you know, portrayal of different races working together and women in, in leadership positions, you know, the women were still wearing, like, booty shorts and, like, tiny little, uh, really more like a diaper with, like, a mini dress over the top. <laughs> and with her, she's, like, got on, like, skin-tight clothes with her boobs hanging out, and she's her job is just to repeat what the computer says. Well, that's supposed to be based on Uhura, and I never felt like Uhura's job was just that. I never felt like that. Well, it's also based on Seven of Nine, Jerry Ryan from Voyager, uh, um, because Seven of Nine is pretty much just wearing, like, a skin-tight jumpsuit all the time and every article about her interview about her was about the costume and about how she looked in it and so you know i think it was partially bringing some of that in too but Georgia, like yeah I'm sorry are, are you saying that it's not practical to wear skin tight <laughs> boob bearing outfits in space come on now <laughs> i mean <laughs> clearly that's you know the preferred outfit for women in space <laughs> You know, you have to be able to, like, see that you have, like, a mole on your butt when you're wearing <laughs> just, like, a spandex outfit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I thought that was super funny. And I loved when she just snapped because, you know, everybody gets onto this real situation, you know, the real situation in the real ship. And they start kind of falling into their character roles. And her character role is just to repeat what the computer said. And Laredo slash Tommy gets super annoyed. He's like, this is going to get old. And she just snaps. And she's like, I have one job. And I know it's a stupid job, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it, you know, and then she turns out to like get to do a lot of other stuff in this, which is great. You know, it's her and uh, Jason who go into, like, the belly of the ship, you know, to check out this Omega-13 and, and all that. And I love her in that scene, too, because she just is like, this is terribly written. <laughs> She's, like, so mad. <laughs> like, why would there be, like, these chompers? Like, who wrote this? This is awful. This doesn't make any sense. I love that. I, I feel like so she funny. is the representation of like every sane human put into that situation <laughs> of just what the fuck. No. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, because it does make sense. Like you, you know, they're always like imperiled in like a very specific way. And it's like, why would this be happening inside our own ship? Yeah. Hmm. Just, why do we need a death maze to get to our engine essentially? <laughs> like, and she just keeps like building on it, which I love. She's like, "This serves no practical purpose." <laughs> like she can't, she can't understand it. Well, it's also interesting. One of the things that I read that originally this was supposed to be a lot darker. Um, mm -hmm. That there were supposed to be some heavier things happening. So this came out with a PG rating in the end, but they were shooting for like PG thirteen, 
So there were moments that were changed. Like in that scene with the chompers, if you look at Sigourney Weaver's mouth, she clearly says fuck. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. And then they just, you know, they overdub it. So it, it's like that's one of the moments that, that was like a casualty uh, of the rating change. And also because Tim Allen, you know, had just come off of Home Improvement and right. He was great. And so it's like they thought that this movie was perfect for him because it was about a person looking back on this fantastic television career that they had and mm -hmm. that he could kind of relate to that that feeling of emptiness at this point in his life. They, they thought it was just like this perfect synergy. So, yeah, it was supposed to be a lot darker, but you have this guy that came off of this very family friendly show. And they released the movie at Christmas. Yes, yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they were thinking it was going to be like a family Christmas. You know, people would all go see this together with their families at Christmas. Well, what's funny is Tim Allen's stand-up is anything but family-friendly, <laughs> which is hilarious. So it's like night and day. Yeah, well... Then didn't he go to jail for like selling drugs? Yes, yes, no, he, yes had he, did. he, oh, okay. he had a lot of coke. Don't know he sold it. He had a lot of coke. It's really, I like it's so <laughs> wild. Like, yeah, you have all the the stories of the people, you know, and you're just like, whoa. Well, I mean, and that you know, I think that wouldn't happen now because people are so unforgiving when people yeah. have you know a past. Um, but now he's fine. Like he's in Disney movies and stuff. Well, he he's, came out he's like the Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, he is. I mean, he came out like at the time. I remember when I was a kid and it was like he did this article, I think, for TV Guide where he just talked about it because he said, he, you know, he felt like, oh, you know, I just want to come clean with this. And so that happened. I mean, I was a kid, so I wasn't an adult. You know what I mean? I didn't process it the way, you know, that an adult would, but it just seemed to move along. You know what I mean? It didn't seem to be like a thing. It shouldn't be. I mean, no, not getting on my soapbox. <laughs> So, Justin Long, first movie, God. first yes. movie as Brandon. I couldn't believe it. He seemed like an old pro. He was perfect. He was so good. Yeah. I mean, and he's just so, like, you know, stuttery and, like, nervous. And he really embodies the character, like, super well. Because he's super knowledgeable. Like, he knows more about the show than, like, anyone else, including the people who were on it. Yeah. You know, and he's so smart. But he's also a geek, so <laughs> even his parents are, like, annoyed by his devotion to this family. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, when his mom's like, where are you going with all those bottle rockets? And he, like, goes off into the astrophysics of how it's going to time travel through the black hole and why he's got to be there to set them off so they can visually see it. That was hilarious. Just, okay, dinner's at seven. Be safe. That's <laughs> <Like> <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, I love that, you know, you know, he gets chewed out because he just sees Taggart Nesmith at the wrong time and he gets chewed out. And then when Nesmith reaches out to him for help and he's like, look, I know it's not real. You know, I get it. And he's like, it's all real. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's so happy and I love it. Just every fan's inner hope. Just maybe, maybe slim possibility. <laughs> confirmed fantastic <laughs> <laughs> and you know then he gets like drawn into being able to help you know and i love how he like conferences and all his friends oh yeah the the nerd network in this movie is real and like strong <laughs> like everybody has their own little niche knowledge of what what you know episode and what level of the deck on the ship it is and has going on and it's like oh i don't know okay let's bring in this other person and it's just it's so great to see because it's 
like you guys were talking about fan fiction earlier it's like it's so real to fan culture of like yes there is one specific person on this planet who knows exactly what you need to know <laughs> exactly yeah because people just will get such a niche interest in different things you yeah. know and kind of like almost specialize in that and they all got to use it and it was so exciting um i i just think that's so funny and yeah, yeah, Justin Long, like, oh my god, I can't believe this is his first movie. Out of the gate. Because he's done so many great things that we've enjoyed. And he always is, like, a little bit different, but he always still has that Justin Longiness that he brings, you know. Well, it's very interesting. I mean, speaking of knowledge, so the director, Dean Parasot, hope I said that right. <laughs> uh, the director, Dean Parasot, um, actually directed uh reading rainbow i believe it was five episodes in total and i think the first one he directed um was actually going behind the scenes of tng oh wow yeah with lavar burton so it's like you know it's like you have this knowledge right you have another connection to star trek and it's like you got to go back there and see all of these things firsthand so i i think it just adds to the experience because everyone loves the show everyone has all of this information um and what is it on the ship the 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 uh the call sign is like nte <laughs> yeah. 13 oh, yeah. something yeah not the enterprise the NT, not the enterprise <laughs> yeah right so it's i i love that they are able to just bring it down to you know that like small level i mean i don't have you know, nearly the, the knowledge of like super fans. I like, I, I, I am a fan. I was friends with super fans. I know things. I enjoy things, but I, I wouldn't be the guy that you call to get the ship. Nah. Working, well, look, you know? I wouldn't be, I mean, I've watched the original series. I would call you. I would call you. You'd be in trouble. Cause I don't really know. I mean, oh, you would know. <laughs> I know You'd the... be like, all right, let me look through this physics book quick. No, we got I, it. No, you know what You'd I mean? be able to cross-reference cross -reference the real stuff with the show and just be like, <laughs> I you. got this. I can figure it out. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would, cause I'm not as much into like the science part as I am like the characters. Like for me, the reason that I love Star Trek so much is that I love the character so much. Now, if you want to know like an insight into like the character psychology, I am all <laughs> over that. Like I am your girl for that because I'm also like super like in intuitive and into like personality types. Like Catherine knows this. John, you John gets tired of hearing me talk about personality <laughs> types. And Catherine probably did too. And was just being too, too nice. But like, we would just talk no. about this for like <laughs> days. Like it would be like, slow at work and Catherine just come to my office and we would just hang out and talk about different people's personality types and what it yeah. means for like literally hours and it was yep. hilarious and fun um but yeah that's kind of what i'm into is like picking people apart and figuring out why they do what they do and kind of almost anticipating how they would behave in different situations and things like that so you know if you are writing a fanfic of star trek and you really want to know what dr mccoy would do in a situation then i would really be helpful for that but if you want to know like something about how warp core works do not contact me i'm not able to help you with that i mean i can probably find a book exactly and I would translate it into something you can understand <laughs> but i that's not something i just have like ready to launch <laughs> at any time I have faith in you, and I will call you. No question. 
Uh, well, I mean, and the thing is, I have watched the episodes like over and over. See, um, there are just Star Trek episodes from the original series that I love so much that I just could watch them at any time. Um, we had done an audition for like a weird commercial at oh, one yeah, point um, where John found this thing and they wanted like real people to come and just talk about a TV episode that they liked or, you know, they, they basically wanted to videotape you watching something that you like, and then you talk about why you like it. And we did that with the Star Trek episode, a piece of the action, which if you haven't seen it, it is hilarious. I really got into Star Trek through the campiness of it all. Um, my dad was a big real serious Star Trek fan. He loved the original series. He loved Next Generation. Um, but I hated everything that my dad liked, like on principle when I was growing up, because he and I are like so opposite. Like we're we're we literally were born as far apart as you can be. Like my birthday is January third, his is July third. Like we are we were like polar opposite people. But uh, he loved Star Trek, and when I watched Galaxy Quest, I started to understand why one could love Star Trek, and I randomly saw this episode of Piece of the Action, and I was like, why have I never watched this show? I love this, because what happens in that episode is that <laughs> the Enterprise is kind of having to deal with the situation on this planet that has developed itself around like the Chicago gang culture of the early 1900s <laughs> because someone who was like visiting there from earth left this book about that era <sighs> and the people like read the book and thought like that was what they were supposed to imitate. So <laughs> Kirk and Spock end up on this planet where these people just have like Tommy guns and zoot suits <laughs> and they're talking in these Chicago kind of accents with like this, you know, gangster slang. And it's patently ridiculous. I mean, and <laughs> William Shatner is like in it so hard. And I love him in this episode. Like he's just playing along and doing everything. And it's great because spock is so serious and he has like this chicago gangster outfit on and like the hat covering his ears up anytime they had spock on earth or an earth like place i would have to like put a hat on him to cover up his pointy ears <laughs> um and and you know they're just he's completely out of it i think at one point spock tries to drive a car he doesn't understand how to drive a car like everything is ridiculous and i love it and I love it so much that I have thought that I was having an original idea before, and it was actually just part of that episode, and I didn't remember. <laughs> like, at one point later, John and I did um, a kind of an improv short film web series, and I was just like, we should do something where, like, John, you're, like, creating a card game, and the other two people in the scene, you're, like, trying to just explain the card game to them. And he's like, oh, yeah, that'll be fun, you know, and we did it. And then, like, I don't know, a month later, I realized that that is Fizbin, which is this game that Kirk invents to, like, confuse the gangster people. Um, and he just, like, makes up all these rules for this card <laughs> game on the spot. 
I mean, you have to watch the episode. So, like, go watch it. It's so funny. Um, I just, there's a lot of episodes of it that I love, but that was, like, super campy. And that is that was, like, my gateway episode. And after I watched that, I was like, I have to watch the rest of this. And uh, this is, like, in the mid-2000s or, like, probably 08 or something. So we went and bought, like, the DVDs. And, oh, yeah. And John had sinus surgery and I had to stay home with him. Because he was, like, miserable and, like, dying of sinus problem on the couch. And I watched, like, the entire thing. <laughs> and just, like, was so in love with it. Like, the characters are great. It's, it's, you know, you just, you learn to know who these people are. And you um, just get to know and love them over the course of it. And, you know, there's something relatable in each one of them. And I find that to be the case in Galaxy Quest too. Like... I feel like I can relate to every single character in a different way, you know, except maybe for me, maybe not Fred Kwan, because I don't think I've ever been that relaxed in my entire life <laughs> about anything. I'm like the opposite of that with my crazy anxiousness at all times, but he seems like so chill. And sometimes people think I'm chill too. And I'm like, oh, then I'm doing a really good job faking. I was going to say, you put on a really good face. <laughs> so but i don't ever think it's that good i don't think it's like quan level good but well I, I, he's he's having some help <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true even then never never that chill for me but, um, yeah he but, always is carrying around that bag <laughs> yeah. it's like did he get that at the beginning in the snack machine like i can never figure that out in every single scene you see him and he's got the bag it's just yeah yeah he's eating chips i didn't even notice until yesterday when we re we had rewatched the movie and then we were watching a documentary and they were talking about him eating these snacks and i think like when they're going down to the planet to get the beryllium sphere he actually has like the little um the cracker sticks and cheese like little snack pack <laughs> that he's eating and he's just loving every minute of it yeah no, it's funny because that same uh, extended scene, I guess, when they're like rolling the sphere, he's got it in his mouth. Oh. <laughs> he's just like hanging on to it and rolling the sphere. That's fantastic. <laughs> what was Enrico Colatoni, I think, said in an interview that Tony Shalhoub was like, you know, trying to find this character. And he said that like he actually found the character in a bag of snacks. <laughs> you know, that's he was like, you know, just looking in this bag and his food and he's like, aha and then he just he connected so it's like that was that was his way into the character which i thought was really interesting because he is so chill like my mm -hmm. favorite is when he's <laughs> when he's down there you know in the ship you know in the engine room and it's horrendous yeah. there's like an explosion <laughs> behind him there's a guy launched into the air and he's just so calm and he's just saying that, that you know it's done they're they're yeah. done there's nothing that can fix it you know what I mean? It's his But he's delivery. just like, yeah, so they're telling me that, and he just says all this technical <laughs> jargon. So we could just like reset the blah, blah, blah. Is that cool? He's <laughs> just like, is that okay with you guys? Like, yeah. Uh, it's just really funny because, yeah, I guess he's supposed to be like the character of Scotty, but he's not. Like, Scotty would be down there just like screaming at everybody all the time yeah i think scotty would be would be really upset i mean yeah he i always think about 
Scotty, you know, when he's giving the reports, he's like, giving it all I can, Captain, you know, and it's just like, he's always like, Shan't take much more. Yeah, right? <laughs> Can't do it. And meanwhile, with this guy, it's just blowing up in his face. He's like, so um, we're trying our best, but um, we're going to have to slow down. Can we? I uh, can't take any more of this. And then they do end up fixing it or whatever. And he gives all his crew members a little hug. And you're just like, aw. Because <laughs> yeah. Scotty was cool outside of the engine room. Like, Scotty under stress is a bad thing. But this guy's just the same all the time. He's fine. That's funny. Oh, there was now who was it? Now this I'm gonna look to you. So who was it? There was one of the characters when they were much younger on the original series that actually kind of looked like Davy Jones. It was Chekhov. It was Chekhov. Yeah, okay. they they got him into <laughs> the reason that they got Walter Koenig on the show was because they thought he looked like Davy Jones from the monkeys. And so he was like a, a later addition to the cast because they were trying to like appeal to like the young kids. Yeah. So they got him and he's like young, you know, I mean, I really enjoy um, Anton Yelchin RIP um, as Chekhov in the, the Kelvin timeline because he's so young. Like in the first one, he's supposed to be like 17 and, he just is so wet behind the ears, but he's like a genius, you know, so they need him and he's great, but he's also just like a child, basically. <laughs> yeah, but that that's why I, I guess they wanted, yeah, to appeal to the teens or something. So they put Walter Koenig on his check off. It's pretty wild. And he wasn't, I don't even know if he was in the first season. He might not have come in until the second season. I think maybe even the monkeys in Star Trek might have like traded off actors sometimes. I'm not talking about the main cast. You know what I mean? Kind of like their their guest stars or their co-stars. Yeah, because the monkeys was very episodic, so it was always some kind of weird guests on the show. And uh, yeah, Star Trek kind of was too. So I could definitely see that happening. Well, and also with Alexander Dane, when they're on the planet, you know, when they're down in Goblin Valley. He has his, I guess, tricorder upside down. Oh, yeah. Now, this is very interesting, right? Because they said that actually Leonard Nimoy had a similar situation early on the Star Trek show. It was a new prop to him, and he actually does have it upside down on one of the episodes. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So it's like, again, every single thing in this, every single piece of this movie is wrapped around you know, Star Trek and all the information there. So, I mean, I can really see why it's seventh, you know, to these people <laughs> in the Star Trek canon of films. I mean, honestly, for me, I, I think I might even go higher. I would I, go higher. Yeah. For me, it's top three, probably. Like, I mean, First Contact is an amazing movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's so but good. But it's really good. So good. Um, just, just for us noobs, is it the whale one? No. Um, oh, that's oh, fun, okay. though. First, that that's fun. up there, too. That's The Voyage Home. That's okay. Star Trek Four. Yeah. Um. So, First Contact is a Next Generation movie, and it's basically about First Contact, Zephyrum Cochran, like, the when Earth first was able to do faster than light speed travel. Ah. So, they go back to, like, make sure that it happens, kind of. So, it's, 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 I, again, I haven't seen it for a long time, but the last time I saw it, I remember it being awesome, yes. and I would love to watch it again. 
Um, but yeah, the Wrath of Khan, like we actually did an episode on the Wrath of Khan on on Comfort Films because that was a big one. That's an amazing movie. Yeah. I actually really like the Undiscovered Country. I love the Voyage Home with the whales, even though it's whales. completely nonsensical. I love it. <laughs> I like Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. It's good. Christopher Lloyd, a hell of a villain. Yes, a well, hell of a villain. And they did a pretty smart thing with getting you know Spock back and everything. Right. Um, and of course, like you already said, I love the Kelvin Timeline movies. Yes, Beyond really I love because it feels like a fun old original series episode oh i'm like gonna supersized so this is this ties in this is another tie-in okay so in star trek beyond do you remember at the very beginning kirk is on the planet and he's talking to these these little creatures well we little... don't know they're small right right <laughs> we don't know at first that these creatures are small that he's talking to he's kind of like at the bottom of this pit and then these things become very angry and we realize they're not these massive creatures these these little creatures come rolling at him you know, down in this pit. They're and, like the size of a big cat or so, like a, a, a small dog. <laughs> yeah. And they, when he sees them up above, it seems like they're very imposing and scary, but then they get down in front of him and they're tiny, <laughs> the point where they're like hanging off of him, like biting him and things. Well, that's kind of like the little creatures that we see. It's the opposite because they're like oh look at these miners you know they're, <laughs> they're nice so cute yeah. yeah and then they're like they're like oh it looks like a baby let's you know let's hit it in the face of the rock and eat it or whatever so it's like <laughs> it's the flip side of that so I, i'm sorry to jump in no, on you there but funny. i was like oh wow another connection because yeah. these films just all loop in they, they do. all it, loop in that it's such a star trek movie it just is i don't think there's really an argument to be made that it isn't i know the characters are different but like I mean, how many iterations of Star Trek are there? You know, we see all these other Star Trek shows and I love them. You know, I I haven't watched every single thing, but Strange New Worlds is out now and I really, really like it. Like I'm moderately obsessed with it. And even Lower Decks. Oh my gosh, like, love Lower Decks. <laughs> I really like it. And it has a Galaxy Quest feel to it, sort of, because... It's very meta, like they're always talking about the other, you know, characters from TNG and, you know, they're always talking about Riker and Picard or Kirk and Spock, like, you know, because it's like they know them and they exist in their universe. Um, and I, I think that movie, this, that show is so funny, like I haven't caught up yet, but I've been really like savoring watching it because it is so hilarious. Yeah. And this not the Enterprise ship could very easily be California class in Lower Decks. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like they have the Cerritos as their ship on there. And it's like, you know, they're always like looked down on by the other. Well, they actually have more of a chip on their shoulder about being like a small, unimportant ship than 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 actually being looked down on by one of the, you know, top tier ships. But it's it's a super great show. And I loved Voyager. I didn't finish it, but I've gone through like half of it. Um, I grew up watching TNG against my will. Um, <laughs> and then later on watched it and liked it. Um, I still haven't watched Deep Space Nine. I never watched Enterprise. But, you know, it's not like I'm not open to it. It's just like finding the time. There's so much content. There's so many different shows and then all of them have different seasons and you're just like yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. 
it's like i have too much to watch yeah. <laughs> um but yeah like the the reason i was like eh, i'm gonna start watching strange new worlds is because it's kind of like the first time for me that i've ever been able to watch something as it happens you know as it's coming out because i got into star trek after like a lot of the things that already happened or you know things were happening when i didn't have television or whatever and now it's like i can watch this so i am it is, just side note it is so interesting to me that you didn't have a television and now you're still doing a podcast about like tv <laughs> and movies and things like that it's great <laughs> yeah i didn't have tv for god years and years like there's a lot of shows that i didn't watch because i didn't have television for such a long time i did watch movies i would go um, I talked about this when we did our Big Lebowski episode. So the way I ended up seeing that movie is because the only thing I would do when I was in grad school is like every other weekend or something. I didn't have television. I would just be reading all the time or working for school. But if I did have time on the weekend, I would go to Blockbuster and just rent like four movies. That was my big splurge and watch, you know, some videos at home. Um, and that's how I saw that. But there's a lot of shows that John and I didn't see until well after they had become, you know, obsolete, I guess I'd say. <laughs> like, because we didn't really watch television or, or have time to watch television because we we're always in the middle of doing something. And even when we first started living together, that was around the time that, like, Arrested Development was on, which we didn't watch until 10 years after it had been off. Freaks and Geeks, I think, was one of the best shows of all time. I never watched it until the 2010s you know after it'd been off for ages buffy the vampire slayer i didn't watch buffy until i don't know 15 years after it had been off so same yeah um and then i was like super in love with that for a while so yeah i come to things late a lot the star trek story with me is not that unique in that respect <laughs> because i pretty much never watch anything until it's already gone and it's wrapped up and then I'm just like oh now I will watch this <laughs> I will say I, I would like a sequel to Galaxy Quest just to talk about the legal ramifications of ram ramming into a comic con <laughs> <laughs> yes I do not think that the liability insurance would cover <laughs> no. that and I don't think it falls under a force majeure act of God so <laughs> I think somebody's gonna be paying a lot for that i think they've talked about sequels a few times but just some of the things that have happened have kind of been a problem and then um because uh unfortunately daryl mitchell was paralyzed in an accident i guess um so he but he still acts he's in a wheelchair now but he's still you know doing acting just as much as he ever was yeah i think he's a regular on like ncis new orleans like a hundred and 34 episodes or something yeah so, yeah, so I mean, he's still cranking i don't know. think that would really stop them but i think they were really in serious development when alan rigman passed away in 2016 oh. and so they were just like oh could we really do it without him because he's such an important part of it so yeah i don't know if they ever will um but i would welcome it if they did um yeah there's a there's a short like youtube video that we watched that was kind of about the cast talking about Alan Rickman after he died and um, they just said some of the most wonderful things about him that he just sounded like a great person and I was like super sad again 
<laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my gosh. It was kind of a side note, but when he was in Harry Potter, I was living in Ireland and we went to England to go see it at like premiere night or whatever. And my parents didn't tell us that that was why we were going. They just said, you're young. You have to come with us. We're going to go see a play with Alan Rickman in it. So you guys could stay at the hotel, have fun. And we were like, what? Ah! And then of course it was, oh no, JK, we're going to see Harry Potter. And it was like, oh my God, that's fantastic. And then at night we were like, okay, great. What are we going to do for dinner? And they go, oh no, but we're actually seeing the play with Alan Rickman in it. So go to the hotel, bye. And we were like, okay. But they came back and I had it signed by him, uh, the little playbook or whatever. And they said, yeah, we got to have a little conversation with him or whatever, you know, on my my uh, sister at the time was young, probably four or five, somewhere in there. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, and was just like, oh, Snape's a bad person. And so my, <laughs> my parents told Alan Rickman, they said, oh, yeah, my, you know, my kid hates you and thinks you're like the worst person in the show or on the on the movie. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm always out to save Harry Potter and, <laughs> and come, you know, movie seven, book seven. You're just like, oh, my God. he, Oh, it's true. <laughs> that's so cool yeah so he just he seemed like from all the stories that i hear from old castmates from what my parents said like it's just it's fantastic he seems like a really cool guy justin long told a great story about that he had actually been in cast in a play that alan rickman had been doing but because he just wasn't ready to join um you know at the time he initially could have he let a few more shows go by and Alan Rickman kind of rotated out before he rotated in and he got to the, you know, he, he got to the theater and there's like this note for him and he opens it up and it has like this really elaborate, like cursive on the front and it just says, fuck you. <laughs> and then he opens it up and it's just like this really <laughs> sweet note, you know, from Alan Rickman saying like, I wish we oh could have done gosh. this together. So, but I thought that was so amazing. <laughs> You know, and everybody just talked about how, you know, his dry wit was just such a thing, you know, on the, on this movie and, you know, and how he and Tim Allen were like so unbelievably different as people because, you know, Alan Rickman is a real actor and has like process and all this. And, And Tim Allen himself is like, you know, I'm just sitting there like making cock and fart jokes up until like the minute they start shooting. You know, he's probably, and I was probably driving him crazy, but he was just such a nice guy. And, you know, he would be so annoyed by, you know, Tim Allen and Daryl Mitchell. And then, like, at the end of the day when they wrapped, he'd be like, oh, I'll come back to my trailer and let's all have some wine. So he was just so, he was just such a nice person. And I think that, that just goes along with the character. I mean, even he said, you know, when I play a character, I think I've kind of become that a little bit. And so he, he feels like some of his crotchetiness was, was Alexander Dane's crotchetiness. <laughs> and, and he still, you know, would break out of it and, and enjoy working with people. And it was just really cool. It was a great story. I love Alan Rickman, and I think of the villains first. I think of mm-hmm. Die Hard. I think of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. You know, I think of Love Actually. You well, know, another yeah, flawed yeah. character. So it's like that's that's what I think. Well, of. Well, and Snape. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, he really stamped that part. I mean, I could never see. Any, you know, I didn't even think he was right for it at first because he, he yeah. was kind of too old, and you know, not gross enough or something like if you read the books like snape was like really oh yeah nasty character yeah but as soon as he walks in that classroom in that first scene 
just whoo snape is here yeah he owned it he just he made it his thing and it was really cool yeah i think of him as different things because um for me like i think i said earlier the sense and sensibility movie pops into my mind first because i loved that movie and it came out around the time like just around the time that i was studying jane austen for the first time and so i was just like wow this is it but yeah he could play a villain like nobody else and Mm -hmm. i feel like this gave him an opportunity to kind of play a villain in a way too because he is kind of villainous to some of the fans you know at the beginning uh the the snarky autograph picture taking here go away away. (laughs) but you know he also has like this you know decency and uh it makes it very real you know i mean and he's also trying to like i really love the scene where they're like eating dinner on the thermian (laughs) ship and they're like oh (laughs) (laughs) that's so disgusting (laughs) i can't even deal but they're like we you know we made this food that would match you know where you're from and they're so proud of themselves and (laughs) as always jason nesmith has like you know drawn the longest straw and he's eating like a beautiful steak and he's like oh this is delicious and then alan rickman has a bowl of like worms and and insects (laughs) I think that's again like a callback to the undiscovered country because they do have that dinner scene. Yes. You know, and it's like you're very lucky if you're James Kirk at a meal, just like you're a corn fed Iowa boy. Yeah. Like he gets the best meals consistently. <laughs> but other know? people are eating. Yeah. Like the Klingon food is oh. pretty gross. <laughs> no, it looks so funky. It looks like, like, you know, like Medusa's head. Like those <laughs> snakes had children and then they just threw them into a a, a bowl that was kind of dirty water and they heated it up and gave it to you and the snakes are mad like it looks awful and i i wouldn't want to eat it that's how i feel well you know here's something else it's got nothing to do with the amazing alan rickman who (laughs) is incredible i do love him in everything i mean yeah i i I think he's the greatest but what I, i wanted to uh talk about was sam rockwell's character a bit more i wanted to talk about guy fleegman because his thing was that he wanted to be like bill paxton from aliens and and it was like and then you're working on this movie with sigourney weaver who obviously was in aliens (laughs) and he said he was able to pick her brain about what bill paxton's process was to get so scared and so all of these these beats in the film really tie back to that when he's like, there's there's a red thingy coming to the green thingy, you <laughs> I know, I think we're the green thingy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like when they had their gauge and aliens and all of the aliens were coming towards them. So it was like, OK, he had that beat, you know, and he definitely when they were coming down, you know, to, to land on the planet, he definitely had his game over man moment (laughs) right there. You know, when he had the realization, you know, I'm crew member number six. Oh my God. You know? And, and like, yeah. So it, it, he's like, I don't even have a name. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. He just was able to jump in from the beginning. I love that he jumps in on the autograph session. 
I like that he's just like, you know, guys, you mind if I just, you know, sit in, do a few? And then it's like he happens to be there when the crew goes aboard, you know, the real spaceship, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll go. And it, I like how it just falls into place for this character. Now, this is something interesting. Now, there was a guy named Guy Vardaman who was around, and he was kind of like a, a bit player, a stunt guy. And this was like dedicated to him. That was, you know, this was story. On, yeah, TNG a lot, I guess. And played like, uh, he played like a stand in for different characters on that. Yeah. I mean, and it's crazy. It's just like you have like, again, an ode to someone who worked on, on a particular show a lot. And people, by and large, I bet didn't know who he was. Yeah. And it's like you get that tribute. And, and this person was just like, oh my God, you know, it just blew his mind that they thought of him. It goes back to what you said, where you feel like you know these people. I feel like any good television show, and a good movie too, for that matter, but for a television show, because you have that duration of time, it does feel like your friend group. You feel like you can just pop in, because you know everybody's personality type. I know you're a fan <laughs> of personality types, Georgia. And, you know, it's just like we have these different things, and you know where you plug into this unit, and you know where everyone stands. So it, it's a very wonderful thing how this film really made the family aspect of it work, because I don't always feel that, that we that we see that, you know, we'll see like, OK, this is supposed to be the group. Mm -hmm. But I felt like this clicked more for me than, than many other adventures. I don't know how you guys feel on that. No, yeah, no, Absolutely. Yeah, because he was just some, like you said, some random guy who was like, oh, hey, don't you remember from episode eight, I died for the credits, you know? And it was like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, sure, sit in with us, whatever. And then he gets on the on the spaceship without a name. Oh, you know, I'm Captain Taggart, I'm Captain whoever. Oh, yeah, I'm crew number guy, I'm guy. And then they just <laughs> take care of him for the rest of the movie, and it's fantastic. It's like, you know, okay, we don't really know you, but you're one of us now, you know? And then at the end, when they have the new show... He has a name. Security a Chief Rock Ingersoll. <laughs> yeah. So and he strong. just does like this shit eating like <laughs> wank to the camera. I love it. It's well, and when they, when they crash land into the Comic-Con and like start stumbling out, you know, oh, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver's character. Oh, it's this person. Oh, it's a random crew member. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. I love it. Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall is the person who's announcing at that point. And I have to give him a huge shout out. First of all, because I love Kids in the Hall. And Kevin McDonald is one of the funniest people in the universe. And yes, when he's <laughs> calling the people out as they come off, he's just like, and a crew member. <laughs> and then when Chen comes out, he's like, uh, Tech Sergeant Chen with another crew member. <laughs> Uh, it's great. Well, and you also, I mean, I love what he says when Alex Alexander Dane comes in. He goes, Alexander Dane, everybody, let's give him a round of applause. He's English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be a Kevin McDonald ad lib. That feels Kevin McDonald y to me. It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> give him a hand. He's English. <laughs> it's oh, just, and it's so fun that they show up there. It just, again, this goes from, you know, the, the the fire the frying pan back to the fire like we don't have a moment where we can breathe in a good way like i mean yeah. you have you know the destruction of sarah's ship 
then Cyrus is on the ship yes. and he killed the people. We activate the Omega 13. We resolve that. Then we got to get back. We get back. And it's crazy because when they separate the ship, it almost looks like the love boat, like a cruise <laughs> ship in space. And then they, you know, they get down there and then that's nuts. You know, like they crash yeah. through the wall. And then we have Saris again. Like there are so many endings to this movie. So that's <laughs> mm -hmm. fantastic. But then we wrap it up with seeing, you know, the new adventures of the crew and everyone's happy. I love that Tech Sergeant Chen has Laliari with him. And then what is she credited at? Jane Doe? Or yeah. Something? Jane Doe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like so good that they, they were able to have that. And I love their love story. It's so offbeat. It is. And it's perfect. You're like, he would definitely be with her. She would definitely be with him. You know? Well, she's so funny. Just the, this is back. I mean, we kind of mentioned it a little bit before, but like the Thermians mannerisms are super funny. Like the way that they walk like you know with their hands going up uh, and down like it's kind of like because they're these kind of tentacled creatures and then they are in these humanoid looking bodies but then they're still kind of walking around like as if they had tentacles yeah i really love that and and their faces they always and i don't know how they manage to do this it's pretty brilliant that like every single Thermian has kind of the same expression on their face, which is just kind of this like innocent, like glee kind of happiness. Yeah. And they all look the same. I just, it makes me laugh. Like all of them. Well, in their original voices of like the dolphin language or whatever it is they're basing yeah. it off of when, you know, Missy Pyle's character with Tim Allen, he's trying to flirt with her at the beginning and he's yeah. just like, hey, doesn't she speak? Oh no, her translator is broken. <laughs> she does this noise. That's so good. And he's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so cute. I love it. I also enjoy, I mean, this ties, this going back a little, but you know, we talked about how Sigourney Weaver's character had the tight clothing and how so many times in sci-fi, for no reason, you know, women are in this, you know, they're in these skin-tight outfits, or you have to inexplicably get naked for something to work. Like, we've seen it in a million <laughs> movies. It's like, oh, no, you got to get naked for this. So, uh, you know, what I thought was funny is when the Thermians came to pick up Taggart from his house, that he was a mess, and he had, like, yes. no pants on. And, like, I got to tell you, in my mind, I don't think he had any underwear on either. <laughs> I think that he was just, like, really giving them a full show. Because it's like Mathazar looks down, right? When, you know, he's at the door and he's like, oh, I guess I should probably put some pants on. You know, and he's like, you want to come in? And then he has to, like, bend over and he's like... You know, I'm just, I think they're looking straight down the barrel. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I think is going on here. And I, I love that they they go that way with it, too. It's, it's very funny. It's very playful. I mean, every scene has so much joy in it. You know, I, I know work is work, right? And, and these are extremely talented people who could make, you know, slipping on the ice look like a fun time, you know? But this just has something to it. It has that, that childhood wonder, that admiration, you know, this is your idol coming to life and, and, and you're seeing into that private life and they, they have like an, it's a wonderful life moment with this, 
you know, because it's like you have Taggart who is, you know, miserable and he is alone. And then you have the rest of the crew and they definitely have, you know, troubles too. They can't find work. They're just stuck together, whether they want to be or not. And in the end, it's able to become this wonderful thing because they are all actually heroes and they actually do all work together. Yeah, I love, I think that's great. I mean, that is, I think, why this movie gives me the warm fuzzies because it's, it's like everybody does have to go through a challenge, but it all works out and it works out in like the best possible way for everyone, you know? Like, it works out the best way for Taggart slash Nesmith because he is able to, you know, live the dream of being the hero that he always wanted to be, um, even though he has kind of gone to pot and, like, it's like drinking scotch and passing out and stuff, you know, and all the other people, you know, get to get the respect from him that they've needed and deserved this whole time. The Thermians, you know, are restored. Mathazar becomes the new leader and, you know, gets to be what he should be. You know, he didn't have the confidence to say, I want to be the leader. But then when Taggart, you know, his hero says, you're the leader, you're, you know, you should be leading. They have a good leader already. It's you you know, that means the world to him. And it's so touching in that And can scene. I just say, you can absolutely see that on his face as he beams Saris with his crutch. Yeah, yeah. He's just so happy. And he like comes into his own. You're just like, yeah, go Mathazar. It's great. Well, and again, that shows that like he implicitly trusts Taggart because after they hit the Omega-13, what appears to be Quan comes on the bridge and jason nesmith like springs into action and goes to take him out everybody's trying to stop him you know and it made me nervous i'm like oh my god they only have one shot you know what's gonna happen if they stop him from taking him out and then mathazar you know jumps (laughs) in and like knocks him out and stuff so i think that's super cool i love it it's great it's just a great movie all around it's so well written and it's written with so much knowledge and so much love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like seeing things like this because I can really enjoy it and I can believe the sincerity. You know, yeah. I mean, for me, this is the very definition of a comfort film because all of us have jobs. All of us have things that we do, right? And not always are our jobs fun. You know, not always <laughs> are the people that we work with fun. But this shows you it can happen. You know, you can have this happen. <laughs> And it's like, all right, you know, and it it makes you believe again. It makes you believe in people, especially again, if if you're jaded or you're having, you know, a tough time at your job, this makes you feel like, hey, you know, this can work out, you know, I, and the fact that it came out around Christmas again, it's like, it's perfect. It's perfect. I really like what you're saying as well, because we had Catherine guest on this episode (laughs) and we can really strongly relate to working mm-hmm. in a place where you know not all your co-workers are cool and and good to hang out with but when you do have a good co-worker it means so much and it makes all the difference yeah it really makes you feel like even if you can't stand your job or everything seems to be going wrong 
at least you have that one person <laughs> around that the you can like lock <laughs> eyes with and you guys are like oh you know together so it means a ton to have something like that so it was a perfect yeah. choice for us to have like this movie that you know even though it's a sci-fi action movie turns out to also be so much about co-workers yeah <laughs> co-workers made family made friends <laughs> exactly all right well thank you everyone for joining us to talk galaxy quest especially Catherine. yes thank um, you for guesting yeah, on the thanks show for having me it was so much fun yeah it was awesome to see you and catch up and talk about this movie um and yeah someday we'll all have to watch it together yeah yes <laughs> that would be really fun um so yeah until next time thanks everyone for tuning in we're going to keep the sigourney weaver trainer rolling next week we're going to be back with 1979's alien a ridley scott directed film this is our first ridley scott film on the podcast cannot wait to talk about this there is so much to dig into on this one yeah it's gonna be great we love this movie we love this director every actor in this is amazing right tom scarrett kicks major ass so yeah we're looking really forward to that and we hope you will be too so join us next week and until then stay comfy stay comfy everybody <laughs>